Well, Deion Sanders is adding a lot of players and a lot of talented players to the Colorado roster right now. But is it enough? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. And we are talking about just how well Coach Prime is doing on that talent acquisition front. We can't do that without my man John Garcia Jr., our recruiting insider here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, John, it's been relatively quiet, at least by Coach Prime's standards. You know, he did make an appearance on national television for the national championship game, but everything recently seems to have simmered down a little bit. So it's a good time to kind of assess where they're at. Yeah, well, it's been busy, like you said. Uh, the, the high school signees were, were brought in uh, at the end of, of the year, December 21st, and they grabbed uh, some big-time splashes, right? Dylan Edwards, the flip from Notre Dame. Adam Hopkins, a flip from Auburn. Uh, a really strong group. Amari Miller, one-time Nebraska commitment uh, on this, this recruiting class as well. But then, of course, the portal. That's really where we've seen uh, the true influx. 20 players already at least verbally committed to transfer to Colorado, many of them having already enrolled uh, as, as spring semesters get going across the country. So, yeah, it's going to be 40-plus new buffs by the time spring ball rolls around. And then we'll see how it looks thereafter because there's another portal window, and obviously these this roster will have to present itself to, to Deion Sanders. And we've all seen the clips of, of him saying, hey, I'm basically going to overhaul this entire thing. So it's going to be a beautiful line to to play both sides of during spring ball in particular. You could argue it could be the most intense spring practice season of any school in the Power Five because of the promise of Coach Prime overhauling this thing to, to the 12th degree. So it'll be fascinating to see, but already, of course, uh, abundance of Power Five type talent uh, headed to Boulder. Yeah, 18 players from the prep ranks as of now. Another National Signing Day still to come, so we'll uh, discuss later whether or not more should be expected on, on that front. But 20 transfers, John. So as of right now, 38 new players for those of us who are math majors. I was not, but I'll pretend to be just for the sake of argument here. 38 new players coming in after one of the worst Power 5 football seasons, unfortunately, that we've seen in recent memory. You know, the Pac-12 has had some really lowly ones but that was up there because they were one in 11 and they were only competitive in two games really their their victory against Cal and then the game against Arizona State at, at home at, as well so all these new players coming in as it sits right now is this enough should Colorado fans feel content that they will at least be good enough with the talent they've currently acquired to be more competitive in 2023 yeah that, that's that's the the key point right what defines good enough from, from the Colorado fan base? Is it simply improving? Is it simply feeling improved, com competing, as you mentioned, a little bit more consistently? Because on one hand, there's nothing but up from a 1-11 season, right? Uh, you know, you I, would I hope. Think, yeah. Well, <laughs> I know for probably not going to happen, but 
naturally you expect some type of win-loss uh, projection to, to improve. But on the other hand, and I know you've talked about this plenty on this show, look around the Pac-12. It's pretty darn good, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, Shador Sanders is, is going to bring a lot of clout to this Buffs offense, efficiency, accuracy, and obviously an understanding of exactly what his father wants. But where would you rank him in the Pac-12? You've probably done that already, but he's not in the top five, six, seven, eight. I mean, it's, we, we, we had I, I, I we, we, we did do that here on the show just okay. a, a couple days ago, and we had him kind of around eight. I'll, I'll put him above Drew Pine because I think the ceiling is higher, but you're looking at a guy who's making an FCS to FBS jump, and you just look at the other signal callers, and you're like, well, wait a minute. If I haven't seen him play against Power 5 competition, how can I put him above Jaden Delora, who just had a wildly productive season? How can I put him above Cam Ward, who just won seven games at Washington State? That's a hard place to win. So I, I do think coming into this year, at least at this point in time and what we know, I'd say he's bottom third, but that doesn't mean he can't rise up those ranks, but it's a really tough list to climb. Exactly. So on one hand, you, you've got to improve for one win. That's fairly obvious but secondly look the Pac-12 is loaded and I think that's really what what makes this so fascinating if if there is another documentary to be shot surrounding Deion Sanders's you know season and coaching exploits it'll be entertaining maybe more entertaining in the Colorado version because the Pac-12 is is nothing to sneeze at so I, I do wonder just how high the ceiling is regardless of the talent accumulation that is that is headed to Boulder it'll be better It'll be more talented. It'll probably be more balanced, um, not not as reliant on youth as we saw um, in 2022. Uh, but naturally, yeah, well, what is enough? What is good enough for that fan base in year one? Because, again, the expectations when that guy is your coach, um, you know, they, they go really high really quickly. And he was able to accomplish it in that timeline at Jackson State. But obviously this is a different animal. It is. And the other tough thing for for Colorado, even when you have a talent magnet the way Coach Prime appears to be, to none of our surprise, frankly, making the jump from the FCS to the, the Power 5 ranks. This is a roster that does, doesn't need, you know, three or four position groups to be overhauled. I mean, literally every single position group has to be better because there was nothing that they did this year that was consistent, competitive, and effective enough to, to even be competitive, right? It's not just that they went 1-11. Arizona went 1-11 last year, and they were competitive in it's several up. games, right? Yeah. They were there. This is a Colorado roster that top to bottom, offensive and defensive line, linebackers, safeties, corners, wide receivers, running backs, quarterback, everything ha has to get better, and that's a really, really tall thing to ask. Even in this transfer portal era, John, it's a lot to ask for one offseason. Right, because now you have to implement these players, get, get them up to your schematics, right? And let's let's also remind the folks that there are some big time coaches Dion has brought underneath uh, from the coordinator and assistant perspective that are going to bring different philosophies. So melding that together, I think, will be quite interesting and, and fascinating in and of itself, much less the players trying to figure it out in the meantime. However, I do think there's a bit of a pattern. Uh, a lot of skill guys among those high school signees that have already uh, agreed uh, to, to go to Colorado and a lot more trench and, and and bigger bodies in the portal. So I do see a little bit of a theme in that regard where, hey, we're, we're going to just upgrade the trenches immediately with experienced players. 
And if there's a group of prospects that typically hit the ground running a little bit sooner at the collegiate level, it's the skill guys. It's it's your wide receivers, your running backs, uh, even some corners and secondary players. So you do get a nice balance of that in terms of the high school talent acquisitions versus the portal ones. And obviously all of those are still and counting uh, as, as we get closer to spring ball. They, they absolutely are. And I don't think there's such a thing for Colorado right now as, as too much talent acquisition because – as we said, they need a lot of improvements. But 20 transfers, that that that's that's a lot of players, some of them from notable institutions who might be the most impactful ones, yeah, aside from the obvious two that most of you probably know. We will discuss that after we discuss how great it is that you can just go to Bet Online and get your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. So the headline transfer recruits, which is honestly the best way to, to look at this now, right? Is it not, not a transfer, but a transfer recruit, because that's kind of how, how that goes. And John's got the uh, got the magazine there. Uh, the, the two who are quite literally on the cover of Sports Illustrated with, with Deion Sanders, his son Shador, and then, of course, Travis Hunter, the five-star who he flipped to Jackson State a year ago. He's coming with him in all likelihood to play defensive back. He's got some background at receiver, but that's kind of, you know, where he's made his money. And if you're a high caliber athlete like that, why wouldn't you want to play defensive back with, I don't know, Deion Sanders as, <laughs> as, as your head coach. But those are the guys that ha have gotten all the attention rightfully so, because they will be day one starters and impact players for the buffs. But there are 20 players there, John, who are the other transfer names to watch for in this Colorado transfer hall? Yeah, I'll focus on two. Again, I do see a whole lot of, of trench play coming in from the experience standpoint, and I think that's that's really uh, important, especially on the offensive line, which is probably the biggest need area for this team. But some of these transfer skill guys are, are really impressive. Uh, defensively, I'll go to Vonta Bentley. Uh, he's a kid from Birmingham, Alabama, who went to Clemson as this, this physical downhill striker. And at Clemson, he rounded out his game, played a lot over the last – two years or so uh, and is looking to move on to Colorado. I think he is a plug and play guy because not only again, do we talk about overall talent upgrades, but a true, if there was a true hole based on that 22 roster and moving forward, how about Josh Chandler Semendo, the leading tackler, the leading sacker, the second leading interceptor, the leading fumble recovery guy, this, if there was a standout, 100 tackles on the year, it was the former West Virginia linebacker who had portaled the year prior over to Colorado. He's gone. That was his fifth year on the field. So if you talk about not only talent but a true need area, I think Bentley can replace Chandler Semedo basically immediately. Three-down linebacker, experienced, been around uh, in some sophisticated and aggressive defensive schemes there at Clemson I think he'll naturally slide in and be sort of that Mike Backer captain of the defense type of guy uh the moment you know, he gets to Boulder if he's not there already and then two guys on offense that I really love kind of balance each other out they're both pass catchers uh, obviously Shador Sanders is going to be QB1 and and they need target uh targets and he's incredibly efficient as a passer I think that's 
the biggest takeaway from what we saw at Jackson State. It's it's explosive at times. He can move with with his legs uh, and and move the chains in that regard. But really, the efficiency is, is what kind of makes him go. So you need some versatile pass catchers, and I think two in particular are really going to hit the ground running. Jimmy Horn uh, coming from South Florida explosive slot receiver from the Tampa area, a guy who just has that kind of juice. You know, if you watch Jackson State last year, it was Travis Hunter as the most surprising and big-time recruit they got. And then Kevin Coleman was that number two guy, another SI99 recruit that went to Jackson State. He worked the slot incredibly well. He has since portaled to Louisville, so Dion did not get him to follow through like he did with so many others. But that slot connection has been big for Sanders in his Jackson State career. So I think Jimmy Horn can replace uh, some of that production that we saw from, from Kevin Coleman. And then you need guys who, who are just matchup nightmares. And I think Seydu Traore, who came over from Arkansas State, can present some of that. Came up in Europe as a big receiver, excellent body control and hands, and has since put on some really good weight and had a breakout freshman campaign at Arkansas State this past year. I think he had like 500 yards receiving for uh, Butch Jones, and he became a huge portal tight end receiver hybrid recruit who also ended up picking Colorado. So a, a big boundary receiver turned tight end who can work up the seams with a great catch radius and great hands and physicality, I think is going to be uh, Shador Sanders' best friend. So we know Colorado's going to be down in a lot of games. Sanders, that efficiency will be tested because he'll be throwing it probably more than he ever has. But there are some immediate impact pass catching targets, both in the portal and from the high school ranks, as we mentioned earlier with Amarian Miller and Adam Hopkins, among others. Yeah, they're they're very skill position heavy. I, I would say with their their prep recruits and and their transfers as well. But as you look around with the thirty eight newcomers, only a couple are are on the defensive line, and there's no real real big names or big time transfers there. I, I feel like that's the area where you could still see them, you know, try and go to the portal or try to get kids to to flip on or around National Signing Day. Um, offensively, there's a few more offensive linemen. Yusef McGarble is just a big a big body, right? Six five, three thirty, the sort of body type you just haven't seen very often at, at Colorado in in recent years. And they need offensive line help, absolutely, right? This is a top top to bottom rebuild, but. I still look at offensive and defensive line and say, I, I don't know if they've quite got the guys that, that they need at this point in time. Do you think those are kind of their, their biggest priorities going forward? Yeah, particularly those interior guys. Um, there, there's a lot of edge prospects, linebackers, front seven types defensively, and, and tweeners on the D-line that are going to work outside in most likely. So you need some real beef. You, you need some 300-pounders who are going to occupy – um, that that zero, that one, that three, uh, that is going to be a big part of, of what we think is going to be the future of Colorado's defense. So that could be the missing piece positionally uh, that, that Colorado is looking for. Obviously, again, um, holes everywhere throughout this roster. So naturally, you've, you've got to combat that with guys you think can play right away. And, and I don't think they quite have that from the high school ranks. So it's going to have to be the transfer portal unless somebody just emerges through spring football. But yeah, I think a defensive anchor physically is certainly the next step. If, if you're looking for the next additions that, that should make an impact at Colorado. Except for Travis Hunter, of course, who will certainly be the anchor of the, the, the secondary as, as we can all yeah, imagine. Maybe both sides, maybe he plays both ways. We'll see. I it's, it's happened before. It, it has happened before, and when every position group is open, 
You, you, you absolutely never know. I would not rule out that uh, possibility. But as you look forward for, for Colorado, John, on the recruiting front, right, looking at, at, at the high school ranks, there was all this player influx with, with the portal and then flipping guys like Dylan Edwards. That created a lot of buzz, understandably so. And, and I think those are players that can one day contribute for, for Colorado, maybe even right away, right? I mean, certainly, like what I was just saying, they're going to have the opportunity to do so because there's no position group other than quarterback and one corner right now and Travis Hunter's spot. That is, for, that is for sure locked up. But looking at the prep recruits that they might go after, are, are there any big names? Is there any you know kind of buzz uh, around the buffs right now? It's certainly quieted down. I mean, they're after some of these top uncommitted guys. You know, your Nicholas Harbors of the world. They, I'm sure, have an offer in to Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end. But but those prospects have moved on uh, from Colorado. They've they've narrowed their lists with other schools in mind, including some in the Pac-12. That could be Oregon and, and USC there at the end of the day. So naturally, that that board has shrunk a little bit for Colorado. I mean, uh, Christensen St. Jean is, is really the only player – that we know of that has a visit scheduled to Colorado on an official basis between now and, and national signing day. He's currently committed to West Virginia. He's a Floridian, uh, just like Dion, just like Travis Hunter, who's originally from South Florida as well. So um, th- this is going to be a national recruiting program. Uh, and, and I think that part really fits well with what it has to become at Colorado, right? You, are you really going to go into California and take prospects away from Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly or heck Dan Lanning and, and, and those coaches in the Pac-12, probably not as likely. I think uh, this coaching staff is going to have to be very creative and certainly um, geographically comfortable with really expanding uh, what Colorado and, and its footprint has always been. Uh, you've got to go national here. So we do expect more of that going forward. And I think depending on how that roster shakes out again in spring football, there could be some late prep and portal additions for the buff. So certainly it's not over, uh, but you know, the trenches are going to be again, the focal point of both high school and portal recruiting basically from here on out. Yeah. Colorado, thanks to their, their portal class currently sits at uh, number three in the PAC 12 recruiting race uh, behind Oregon at, at number two and USC at number one right now, according to 24 seven. And that, and that's combining the portal class and the, the prep ranks, which is an interesting dynamic because you don't always have to have a ton of highly rated transfers to, you know, get your your ranking up in in that sense. But when you add a lot of players, I feel like that kind of elevates the elevates the the transfer portal ranking and how it's viewed, right? Yeah. Like if you if you add two guys, or if you, if you add you know seven players and you've got one five star and then a bunch of guys who are grading as three star transfers, that might not be as as highly thought of, at least with how the, the rankings are currently determined, right, compared to a class that adds 15, and they're all three-star guys. Right, and that's a little bit more in line of, of what we're seeing from Colorado's perspective, but that's the game, right? Uh, and and that's part of it. Uh, Dion knows that. You know, this coaching staff knows that. you you got to play that game, and could there be, especially here in, in month two, I guess, not year one, but month two, do you take do you take more flyers early on, right? Do you feel like you have more leash to take chances on guys that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have taken? Um, and of course, within that grouping, you've got all the Jackson State transfers. I think the numbers up to six or seven publicly at this point have already made that call 
to make the move to Colorado. And outside of Travis Hunter, how many of them were, were going to be highly regarded anyway, right? So you play that game, in my opinion, and college coaches have told me this several times over the last decade, you, you want to be ranked high, almost by any means necessary. I say almost because obviously there are parameters that you've got to stay within, but when the entire roster is promised to be overhauled, you've got more leeway by the numbers, by the odds, than just about every other Power 5 or FBS program in the country. There's something really interesting to watch in uh, in the Colorado space as an ad plays on 24-7. Thanks for interrupting our audio right there. I'll still use them anyway. I still, I still like them uh, overall. But uh, we've got to get to that. But Dion's trying to bulk up this roster. And if you want to bulk up in a healthy way, then you need to check out Built Bars. Because if you are looking for a delicious treat, but hey, you don't want all the fat and calories that come with it, you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. And my goal, as always, frankly, is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to do that, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built Bars. Healthy is actually tasty. A bunch of amazing flavors like churro, like peanut butter brownie, like coconut almond, like mint brownie, my personal favorite. I've got them loaded up in my pantry and my golf bag at all times if I ever need a tasty and filling snack. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. Head to, head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club to get a box of Built Bars today. You can also check them out at Built.com. John, I, I'm intrigued by a number of programs in the Pac-12 when it comes to their, their spring games and spring football and what we will see Colorado is arguably the most interesting because we know the least about a roster that is undergoing probably the most change of anybody, uh, at least from an upgrade standpoint compared to what they were a a season ago. But last year, Colorado did more of a spring showcase. You know, it wasn't like an organized spring game. But I got to imagine if you're Coach Prime going into, you know, that timeline, which is usually sometime around May. You, you want to showcase these guys as much as you can, as early as you can, right? Like, I'd expect it to be an organized game, and I think it's an interesting thing to follow. Yeah, dude, I don't know if they have a date out just yet for the, the spring game or spring showcase, but if you're Dion, who, again, understands media, right? He's worked at NFL Network. He's worked at ESPN. He, he is media, right? Works with Barstool Sports right now. You either want to be at the front end of these spring games or go on a day where – the non-blue bloods are conducting their spring games. Good Don't point. go the same day as Georgia or Alabama or, or USC. Go on a random day. Go on a Friday. Go on a Thursday. Go on a day where you can be the only show in town. And if the national title game taught us anything, ESPN wants in on this, even more so with Dion at right. Colorado. We saw him on the broadcast. Kirk Herbstreet leaked a schedule change that has since been debunked and – and nullified uh, out of thin air because of the leak. So they're already making media moves at Colorado. It's one thing for branding. It's one thing to bring in recruits and, and build buzz, but it doesn't work if it doesn't hold weight at the top. And we've already seen, again, weeks into this thing, that ESPN is game for, for Coach Prime. So uh, I would imagine those parties could be working together to try to figure something out just individually because we've already, again, have confirmation of – a, str- a, a truly strong relationship that will only build from here. Uh, and he's already got the relationships elsewhere. So, yeah, that will be a by design buzzworthy event in and of itself. And we'll get some football in the process. So 
that will be uh, must-see TV in my mind because uh, because everybody wants to see what this thing is going to look like and how these new players perform. And not to mention, there's some interesting returning players in my mind, skill-wise. Uh, Anthony Hankerson, the running back, uh, showed some flashes as a freshman. Jordan Tyson was freshman All-American, the receiver from Texas, a kid who at this time last year had like zero scholarship offers. So played his way into the Power Five and has hit the ground running thereafter. So again, there's there is some hope here with some of the returning players, but it's just a matter of how many of those guys really will have the opportunity to, to stick around. If, if the Colorado commits Dion inherited was, was any indication, it won't be many of them. So even that part will, will be fascinating just to see how, how they operate. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to make moves and, and, and splashes basically every step along the way. It sounds like just a win-win-win scenario. ESPN gets to put Coach Prime on TV. We get a peek into you know, what Colorado football might actually be looking like in a game environment, how good these players actually are. And Coach Prime gets to take you know a step forward in continuing to promote the buffs. And it's baby steps here, right? It's get hired. It's get talent. It's promote the program. Then it, you know, eventually at some point it'll be you got to win games. And I still... I, I, I cannot, cannot wait, John, for that early September game against TCU off of a CFP appearance. Game one against Dion. Everybody's 0-0. Max Duggan won't be there. Can you imagine what will happen in Boulder if they win that game in Fort Worth? They would erupt. And that, yeah, thing, in, on in that thing on television. Area. Yeah, Speaking yeah, of yeah. Dion's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And, Unbelievable. And and that that would, man, I can't wait. That game is going to get a large television rating, I would imagine. And I would yep. certainly hope. And I would certainly hope we can keep getting back. My man, John Garcia Jr., our Locked On recruiting insider here at the Locked On Podcast Network. John, thank you as always for the great stuff. Thanks for having me on, Spence. Appreciate it. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.